Hello, I'm John J. Thompson, and on this episode of the True Tunes Podcast, we examine that mysterious chemical reaction that occurs when husbands and wives make music together. We often say that being in a band is like being in a marriage. It's a commitment fraught with the potential for both beauty and pain and pretty much guaranteed to produce both. But some people choose to produce music from within an actual marriage. How crazy is that? And yes, I am one of those lunatics. I've been making music as The Wayside with my wife Michelle for over 30 years. Today, I visit with Chris and Jenna Batiker known as Wild Harbors, a young musical couple in the middle of their adventure, a conversation I recorded while they were serving as artists in residence in Europe, no less. When I heard last year that Wild Harbors had accepted an invitation to become artists in residence at a church in Paris, I got an idea. I'd been wanting to have them on this show anyway, as I love the opportunity to highlight indies that are carving out a viable career these days, but how cool would it be to record them on location in France? So that's exactly what we did. On this episode, we visit with a young couple so committed to their artistic journey that they found a way for it to take them to the City of Lights. all takes off right after a little bit of housekeeping. Hey, this is Ray, and I'm a Patreon backer of the True Tunes podcast. I also follow and listen to the weekly Spotify gallery stage mixtape that John curates for us every week. And boy, is it eye-opening. Every week, usually on Wednesdays, the mix is updated around 40 songs from brand new releases to deep cuts and from across a wide range of genres, including rock, Americana, indie, gospel, blues, sacred music, soul, and more. I've discovered tons of new songs and artists and have been reminded of things I love from long ago. It's also great to hear a mix that blends up great music that is just good, beautiful, and true. You can find the mix on the front page at truetunes.com or on the show notes page for this episode. And if you follow it, it will live there in your Spotify browser and update automatically every week. And don't miss the massive archive list where all the previous lists get saved. It now features over 5,000 songs. And as great as Spotify is for music discovery, Please support the artists you love once you discover them. Thanks. Hey there, I'm Mark Feldbush from Columbus, Ohio. I'm a Patreon backer of the True Tunes podcast. I've also left a rating and review of the show at Apple Podcasts. Really wasn't that hard. It didn't cost me anything. But this show means a heck of a lot to me. And I know that reviews and ratings make a big difference when it comes to how and if others discover these conversations. Would you take a few minutes, maybe even while you're listening, if you're not driving, of course, to leave a rating and a review? Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, the reviews posted there push out the podcast to platforms all around the world. Oh, and take some time to tell your friends about the show. Let's drive the numbers up together. Thanks. Yes. 
Chris and Jenna Badiker started making folk-based pop music together under the name Wild Harbors back in 2017. With a goal to move out of the zone of perceived safety and into the adventure that life should be, this couple stepped out in faith and began the great and uncertain adventure that is life as independent artists. I have long been impressed with their tenacity and the niche they have carved out for themselves in the indie scene, and now that I find myself working with so many independent artists, I see Jenna and Chris as excellent role models, demonstrating yet another way to get it done in today's super challenging musical marketplace. So I invited the couple to join me in the virtual True Tunes interview suite, them from their apartment in Paris, and me from my office in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you guys for joining us all the way from Paris. My goodness. Yeah, thanks I'm so amazed much for we can even us. do this stuff. Before we get into the why are you in Paris thing, um, you guys are doing the, you kind of stepped away from different careers to do the wildly irresponsible thing of becoming occupational musicians as a couple, where it's not even like one of you is doing it and the other one has a real job. You're just both throwing all in with being musicians as a couple what what insanity so to give us just the the kind of brief history of wild harbors and um how you started to do this thing and how the choice to do this as a full-time thing kind of came about oh man yeah we um we we both had other careers i was a teacher for 11 years chris was a children's librarian and we started playing music together in college and I kind of, when I was in high school, I had no problem kind of dreaming about, I would love to be a singer and write songs and do all of this. But somewhere along the line through various things, my, my brain just kind of shut all that down and pretended like that had never been on my radar at all. <laughs> um, so I got a teaching job and grown up things and right. just went with all of that. <laughs> And right. kind of knew going in, like, this is not really what I feel like I'm supposed to do forever, but I don't know what else I would do, so I'm just going to not think about it. And then a decade later, I got my little letter in the mail from the school district of like, you've spent 10 years of your life working for us. Here is a pin. Cue <laughs> <laughs> quarter life crisis. What am I doing? Oh, my gosh. So... We had been playing music all throughout this time and just little by little kept getting more and more chances to play so that it started encroaching on those other jobs of like, well, gosh, this is getting really difficult to say yes to all of these shows and travel to play them when we only have so much vacation time. And then we're using all our vacation to go work and play shows and we never actually take a vacation. So... It was, it was very much, I, I mean, the grass is always greener. I always look at people who are coming out of college saying, well, I know this is what I want to do. Like, wow, that must be nice. But I know it has its whole set of other things um, and other difficulties. But I think for us, it, it feels like there is a lot of grace towards us and God just kind of being gracious of like, I'm going to let you baby step away from this little by little by little until you finally kind of hit a point of you don't have enough hours in the day to do both of these things anymore. Mm -hmm. So I stepped away first and took a couple years and then Chris stepped away and we figured, you know, I don't know if music is gonna be our full-time job forever, 
But if it can be for at least a little while, let's do it for as long as we can. And that was kind of the first decision. I think for a while we were incapacitated of just feeling like everything was a possibility of like we could change our jobs. We could move. We could buy a house. We could start a family. Like we could do any of these things. And because we could, we did nothing because it was too many choices and too overwhelming. So music was kind of the first thing of like, well, let's try this. And if we if it's terrible, then we can stop and do something different. And it has I mean, it has not been easy, but it certainly has not been terrible. And kind of through that, we wound up ending up moving and starting a family and buying a house and doing all these other things that kind of dominoed after just making that one scary decision. Now there seems to be quite a few examples of couples doing music together, but I think that probably has something to do with the emergence of this independent scene that's actually robust enough for people to to make a living at it. Totally, yeah. When you started doing this stuff stylistically, kind of blending folk and rock and modern pop elements into your own sort of style, it seemed like you were just kind of wanting to make music for whoever would find it, but you you definitely were being sort of uh, found by people in the indie Christian music space, um, wanting to be a- available to everybody, but that was kind of the lane, right? And, and yeah. you were expressing some interest in how to get out of that uh, rut, for lack of a better word, but that was really kind of where where you were established. I- am I remembering that right? That Yeah, that sounds that, about right. Yeah. Um, I still feel like maybe the circumstance itself hasn't necessarily changed, but my attitude about the circumstance has probably changed a little bit, hmm. where I still feel like we are creating pop music that's still speckled with elements of folk and rock and stuff like, and pop. At our heart, we're still just writing our little pop songs. And like, I feel like there are duos that I remember, you know, you sort of look at someone else and you go, oh, like you can do it like that. Um, certainly like coming through Maryland, like Jenny and Tyler were one of the first married people we saw doing it, but even around the same time, and maybe even before that, there was a non-married duo you could call, um, called Judd and Maggie. And they kind of existed in this really cool space in what I would call the Christian sphere, where it was like known that they were Christians, but it was like, if you went to the show, it was just a rock show. And they said a few words that you're not allowed to say on Christian records. And I like really resonated with that. And it's just like, gosh, there's no rules for them. And so I feel like my view of what Christian art is has allowed me to say now, like, I personally think the art we're making is Christian art by my own rubric, but I would never go onto a poster and say, come to the Christian music show because Mm -hmm. from a marketing standpoint, people wouldn't understand what we do to be that on account of it's not a praise and worship kind of thing. Yeah, I think just that niche of like, it's hard to market, 
but <laughs> and find our way. But it has been encouraging meeting other people who identify with, okay, well, we are Christians and we make music. And so sometimes you're going to hear those themes pretty prevalently and sometimes you're not because we're just singing about all of life in its different forms and like that thread and that foundation is always there but how much of it gets spelled out in a lyric is going to greatly vacillate so i mean it's certainly it makes our life harder in some ways because you know we can't just wrap it up in a neat little package and go and say well here we're a ccm radio actor we are you know not at all we're just completely like secular but you know, like our faith weaves into everything. So. I've heard everybody talking. I've heard that the worst is yet to come. They say. I often go back and think, man, I'm so glad that Lewis didn't write the Narnia books in a Christian bookstore era because they never would have reached the whole world, you know, or Tolkien didn't write Lord of the Rings in a Christian bookstore era when people would say, oh, those belong in this market. Right now, I think when something is called Christian music, what we're saying is not what the music is. We're saying who the music is for. And that's why certain people just tune out. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. And I think we we've always felt a lot more at home. Um, you know, like there there are plenty of concerts that are out there that might be geared towards. Well, you can invite people to this concert so that they would, you know, there's going to be an altar call. There's going right. to be all these kinds of things, and that's never been our bent. But I think we've always felt called to the space where you know, like we love to play for churches. We love to play for not churches as well, and I think. Th- you know, trying to trying to invite churches into a space of saying, hey, you know, there are a lot of people who might come to a concert that would never come to a church service. And so we're kind of a good fit for you in that way, where if you have friends and you would like to have a night of just good storytelling and thought-provoking conversation that you all then might take and go to some of those places, then we're a good fit for you. You know, like we would love to set you up for some of those deeper conversations about marriage or about hard relationships or about taking risks and things like that. You know, we're, we're in and out, you know, we're coming in for a few hours of your life and then leaving. Like we've never felt like we're in the best position to be like, and here's then the trajectory that the rest of your faith should take. But if you want an invitation, I mean, kind of like Jesus did to, he told parables that needed depth and mining and like wanting to invite people into those conversations. I think that's just kind of the space that we've more felt drawn to and has felt more authentic for us, even though it's like you said, harder to be like, well, this is exactly who it's for. And, like well, well, well hopefully yeah. the right people will find it and right. it's been interesting because we're you know we're talking about our you know kind of history a little bit and where we are musically but we're you know kind of bringing it to the present moment we're 
currently overseas and the church in Europe is very minuscule and it seems like they have no problem comprehending like, well, we have a church building. So of course we want people in it. So yeah, let's have a jazz concert. Let's have a blues concert. Let's have a rock concert. Let's have anything. And, oh, you guys actually are people of faith. Well, this is great. And we're not like pulling you in as a bait and switch to like, surprise, we're going to like, you know, surprise you with Jesus. But like we, we want to matter to the community around us and if we have a physical space you know they're they're probably not going to come to a church service on a sunday but the arts and culture are an excellent way for us to use our space so why don't you guys play a show and why don't we open it up and try and just be useful to our community in any way that we can And so you're doing an, a residence, you're artists in residence in Paris uh, for an extended period of time. So tell me, first of all, how did this come about and what does it mean to be an artist in residence uh, at this point? What, what does that look like? Yeah, it doesn't look anything like I necessarily thought it was going to. It came about, <laughs> I guess, like most things for artists, it came out of the blue. Like, I feel like I'm always saying as artists, we can we don't really have like always a five-year plan, but we have like a two-month plan. It's like I can always see whatever the next season is. And then I'm always kind of going, and I have an idea of the season after that, but we'll see. And um, sometimes you just get these things that are distant on the horizon. So this this has been almost a year in the making, I, th- I feel like. Like this is nothing that came from any kind of work we've done. It just was, it fell into our lap where we have a friend who... Um, he was working for basically an IT software, like for a bank, and with uh, the COVID pandemic, got laid off from his position and pivoted to a role at a church here where he's doing administrative work. And one of the needs of this church in the city is that um, they have an evening service. And predominantly, a lot of the churches, like English expats, like people who have come to Paris from Britain, and a lot of them congregate here and a lot of the worship can kind of cater to that too. And so since it's an international church, they're very much hoping to diversify some of that image and not just be something that caters predominantly to a, an English palette necessarily. And so in a weird twist of fate, two white people from America have been brought in to diversify <laughs> this church's uh, musical web repertoire. Um, but we got a text and said, hey, I'm thinking of doing this um, basically like a worship leader abroad kind of thing where you guys would come over here for, I'm thinking, a season. And we would give you housing. Um, we'd fly you over. We'd give you the ability to transport around the city, do all these things. And um, you would basically live in the church building. There's a little flat here that you guys could have. And then you'll sort of help us assist and shape the music in the church, but also you'll have access to um, all of the rooms. You'll have access to the pianos, the any sound stuff you want to create art while you're here. You'll have the ability to see the city, to do all these things. So we sort of went back and forth for a little bit with just what that could look like and um, what our roles and responsibilities would be until we sort of figured out like, okay, this seems like a good fit. 
doesn't work for our life to step away from everything we're doing in Nashville for three months almost and just come over here instead. And that's where you're finding us. So <laughs> so it's working. I, so it's working. It's been like, it's been a, a combo of some things. It's like, you of course always feel that pressure to be like, I need to be making the art, creating the songs. And some days we're, we're doing that, but also some days you go like, all right, it's not coming. It's not working or whatever. Like I should just go outside. I'm in Paris. Like <laughs> half of being here is to take in the culture and the people and the food and everything. And you know, art is your response to life. So I want to mm. make sure I'm utilizing my time well as an artist by going out there and seeing it and doing it and experiencing it so that I'll have a deeper well to pull from creatively as we're spending our time here. Let's step away from my conversation with Wild Harbors for just a few minutes. I asked Chris if he would take a recorder and just wander around their neighborhood gathering some audio. I also wanted to hear from their host, the pastor of a church there in Paris, about why they chose to bring musicians all the way over from America. So, come with us now on a little field trip through the streets of the City of Lights. We'll even get to hear Chris playing an old piano in the sanctuary, exploring some ideas that may become new Wild Harbor songs. What is the value to St. Michael's, or to, in your opinion, of having an artist come from America for an extended time like this? Surely there's lots of artists in Paris. What's the interest in some Americans? We are an English-speaking church that was historically the church of the uh, British Embassy. So we had a lot of influence, a lot of British influence. But for a while now, we are an independent church that still has the proximity to England and Britain. But we're actually trying to position ourselves as an international church because we have a lot of members and faithful who are coming from America, from Asia, from um, Africa. So having American artists and worship leaders gives us um, a different view, English speaking, but very different from what we are used to do every day. Sometimes we don't expect differences between um, English and so British and American because of we think it's the same language but even the songs are sang differently and the approach to worship um, is very different from what we usually do so we're trying to open up to the world and show our, our, our members and members of our church that we are ready to to, to learn other cultures and present them other, other ways to do things. So as someone hosting concerts um, as a church in downtown Paris, are you trying to host Christian concerts? Is that 
not your angle? Like where, where does the church kind of come into being a place where concerts could happen? And is there even a context for Christian concerts here in Europe? Or does that not really mean anything to the people who might be attending? Il peut y avoir un appétit pour uh, des concerts purement chrétiens. There might be appetite for uh, concerts are purely Christian uh, in Europe, but more, more in the Nordic countries and um, maybe in England or Britain. Now in France, there are Christian um, artists, mostly in French, uh, but it is most of the time limited to churches uh, or religious communities. What we are trying to do is, is use our space that is very central in Paris and very conveniently placed and our, and our church that, is, that has very good acoustics to, uh, to welcome people that are not necessarily Christian but we would like them to discover our space, know where we are, and ask us, ask us any questions that they want. Our hope is if one day they feel the need to connect or reconnect with faith, they know where to find us. Having said that, we don't, we don't look for Christian concerts per se, but for artists that understand what is a church and what it means to, to perform in a space that needs to be respected, a space that is very personal and important to worshipers, and they would not want music or lyrics or meanings that doesn't correspond with, with Christian faith. But we're not looking for purely Christian artists or concerts, but concerts and music that respects beauty and art and our space. When I look at all I've done, I think it's not enough. Guess the shimmer fades and it leaves you feeling cold. When I look at all, when I look at all my friends, I think I'm not enough. Cause there's a beauty in their world. We'll head right back to Paris and Wild Harbors after a quick break. Hello. My name's Rob, and I'm one of the Patreon backers of the True Tunes podcast. I'm honored to invite you to join me in support of True Tunes by signing up on their email list. I know email is often annoying, but by being on the list, I get notified when new episodes drop and when new articles get posted at truetunes.com. Sometimes, John even sends out short notes and gives away records and swag and stuff. Super cool. But really, the point is that by staying directly connected, I know that they don't have to pay Facebook or anyone else in order for me to hear from them, and that's important. They don't send out too many emails either, and I'm always happy to get them. So really, it would be helpful if you'd join me over here. 
You can find the sign-up link on the front page at truetunes.com. Oh, and don't forget to add John's email address, jjt at truetunes.com, to your contacts so that the emails don't get caught in your spam filter. And if you have any feedback on the show or questions, you can email him and he'll get back to you eventually. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Matt from Philadelphia, and I'm a Patreon backer of True Tunes. This show is really important to me. John's conversations are not only fun and interesting, they have invited me to discover and rediscover music that makes the world a better place. Every episode invites me to become a better listener, not just to music, but to the people who create it. As a result, I think I might be becoming a better listener to the people in my life as well. I know that my $5, $10, or $20 per month goes a long way toward helping with the costs associated with producing and distributing a show of this caliber. And yes, the rewards are cool too. We get early access to new episodes that we can download in a higher quality audio format, as well as invites to exclusive backers-only Zoom hangs and some special swag and stuff. Check out patreon.com slash truetunes for more information or to join me and the rest of the Patreon tribe. Thanks. And we're back with Wild Harbors. felt your understanding of your potential as artists has that shifted yet or have you felt anything change in terms of how you perceive where your music fits in the world having been there and see it in a different context i think it's like in some ways it's been not justifying but like some of our bent like whenever we talk about like this idea of like we don't make christian music whatever like even though we've already touched on like, I have my own feelings about it, but like it comes back to like this marketing idea, not that we're saying from a marketing standpoint, like we want to sell it this way, but like you said, certain people will hear something and say, I hear what you, I hear who you're saying that's for, and now I know it's not for me. Mm-hmm. And I think we've always just had this sort of attitude of like, I don't want the expectation to be that this is something we're making for the church. 
And it's been so interesting here, just like Jenna was saying, like to see that the church's attitudes so often, like we'll try to do stuff in America. And she was saying like, you know, we'll, we'll do a concert or something. And they'll say, well, are you going to have an altar call? And we'll say, no. And over here, it's different where we'll say like, oh, well, we'll do a concert. And they'll say, okay, it's not going to be like Christian though, is it? And we say, no. They say, okay, cool. Because no one will come if it is. Like even though it's in a church. <laughs> right. Like they don't, people just won't show up to things unless it's related to arts or culture. And so it's just so cool. Like we did, uh, we went to Belgium and we did a house show, like our first house show in Belgium. And also for these people who had never seen a house show before, like never been to one. And I had even just like false expectations of like, but they'll kind of know what it is. Like they're bringing (laughs) us in to do it. And then like we're talking through even just set up and like they're sort of like aghast, like, as they're realizing what they signed up for a little bit, they're like, so, so, so you mean like they're going to sit down like the whole time and like listen to you play songs? I said, yeah, that's kind of like the idea for like about an hour or so, like we'll do this. Which definitely invites the, oh no, oh, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> and so it was just like, gosh, we've really overestimated like the appeal of what we do. Like I, maybe this is just not a thing over here. Like maybe they're not going to be into it or they're not going to get it. But then, like, it's stressful to have to introduce stuff like that. But when you can see something click for people and you go, oh, no, they're really, really into it. They just had no frame of context for comparison. Right. And so it's been cool to see, like, okay, it, it's a little affirming to be like, I think it makes you feel like you're on the right track doing the right thing when you can show up and just be like, we're just going to do our thing. We're going to do the th- same thing we always do, just like it's in Nashville, but over here. And it's going to be a little more uncertain because no one here has ever been to anything like this. And some of these people, it's not even their first language to speak English. But thankfully, like, you do what you do, and then you still see, like, there's understanding, there's excitement. And you go, like, no, they're, in, they're just as into it. When you get into a new culture where the cues are all different, it forces you out of your normal routine. Then you have to you have to realize: Am I here to serve an audience, or am I here expecting the audience to serve me? I love what you said, and I think you know in the few concerts we've played because it's been you know kind of that setup of like, all right, well we're we're serving the church in all these ministry capacities on Sundays and some other days of the week. But then in between, we're trying to play as many concerts as we can. Um, I mean, for obviously the opportunity, but also just the financial end of things. But just in some of the few concerts that we've done so far of realizing, like, like Chris mentioned, you know, these might be English speaking churches that are inviting us initially, but that doesn't mean that everybody's first language is English. And so we're coming into it. And, you know, after our first show, we had a couple of people saying, Hey, I, where can I read your lyrics? Because these songs sound really interesting and I want to understand what they mean and realizing, Oh my gosh, you know, like we're, we're just kind of playing the set and, it's been humbling to realize like, okay, there's so many different things that we could do to try to be a more hospitable 
artists to people coming to this show to make an environment where they would be able to understand as much as possible. Like, you know, maybe that's here's a printout of lyrics or here's a link on your phone or something. If you want to visually be able to follow along, like, yeah, I, it's eye opening of just, okay. Like there's, there's so much excitement for the emotional capacity of this, but then also trying to be a, I guess, Try, trying to be a respectful guest in a foreign country as the artist of okay how do i most how do how do i most respectfully offer you a show that is in a different in language in a way that's gonna connect to your heart as much as possible and to your mind and just give you the best experience right. and we're still brainstorming <laughs> and yeah, figuring yeah. that out of like what does this look like we have one on friday we'll figure out if there's other new things that we're gonna do to see what we can experiment with you can Have you been writing there? Hi. We just looked at each other like, uh. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> I know, right? I feel like almost my form of writing right now, the one night that I did, I went to... <laughs> so Chris has kind of made the joke that I could be like on my way to heaven and I would be checking Facebook Marketplace to see if there was like a deal for something that I could like snag that was used on the way there. <laughs> and he's not wrong. And <laughs> I've totally, you know, we have this little baby here with us who is growing like a weed and grew out of all the clothes that I brought for him in like a week. Like, oh crap, I need clothes for this kid. So I've been using Facebook Marketplace because people in Paris do that, which is great. And I was going to go get something for him the one night and I went late at night. Um, the mom said, oh yeah, I don't mind if you come late. Like my, I'll get my kids to bed. You can get your kid to bed. So I like got on the Metro and just being there at night by myself, being able to kind of just go to a place and I didn't have to think too hard and problem solve too hard. That's kind of the first spontaneous writing moment where I like grabbed my phone and started trying to quietly sing into my phone and not creep people out near me on the metro. Of like, sorry, don't worry about it. Just do your thing. You know, I mean, there's something about nighttime that does that for me. But so much of our time here has been active problem solving especially as a parent of, okay, well, how do I get from point A to point B? How do I get the baby there? Am I bringing the stroller or am I wearing him? Do I have diapers? Am I, should we Metro or should we actually take the bus? Like, are we, do we have the language that we need to be able to ask directions or to be able to order this thing at this restaurant? And as I mean, anyone who does anything knows time does not necessarily equate to energy. So <laughs> I, I think it's almost a pre-writing stage, kind of like Chris is talking about, like we write in response to life. Like I'm taking as many pictures as I can and trying to just capture all these little moments however I can. And I'm hoping 
to come back and be able like in our you know breath that we take when we get back because now we only have a few weeks left and i'm just like all right i'm excited to mine through this treasure trove of moments and experiences and people just the beautiful beautiful people that we've been meeting trying to you know write down whatever i can as memos in my phone of like hey remember this conversation or remember this remember that yeah i feel like right before we left we just finished recording um five songs in the studio and it's like on paper it's an ep i think but then in my heart it's also kind of like but is this like a full project or is this just like half of a project you know so i think my brain's still turning over maybe more scientifically than creatively it's like what's the other half of this what's the other side of this coin and I think a lot of my writing right now is through more a lens of editing where it's like we have so many little fragments still on the ground. And something about just a change of scenery, a change of pace helps you reapproach things either whether you're changing the key or the tempo. It's been fun to sort of hopefully see more sides of that. We're also very excited. We've been chatting with a couple who live out in Normandy and they're American expats and their project has, I guess they have this I want to call it a compound, but it's a it's a property of three like thatched roof cottages, basically. And their vision is basically saying, like, we want to turn this into a retreat space for artists, not for big, like multiple person retreats, but just for like if you're working on a book, come stay in this cottage and, you know, you can have some meals in Normandy and work on your art. And so we connected with them and it's looking like we're going to get to spend um, some days out there. Voices ring in my head tonight I'm starting to see Truth in the light That I'm less than I'm supposed to be If there's help on the way Please come for me I can feel the Have you seen Midnight in Paris? Yes. <laughs> Chris Slayton actually showed us that. I love the way it depicts the romanticization of a of a place like Paris, but yeah. also a time and the seductiveness of nostalgia and mm-hmm. just the idea if I could just get to another place or another time, things would be different, they would be oh. better, I could create, I could write, I could do the the thing and then there's so many different ways to get tempted into uh, distracted or uh, seduced away from the work, you know? And oh, to- oh, you're I'd, speaking I'd, my language. You hit the nail on the head. Like, there's this kind of hyper... I'm not a really self-critical person often. Like, if one of us botches something, Jenna's more likely to be the one like, oh, I should have... Like, beat herself up a bit. And I'm kind of just more disposed to be like, oh, well, I'll have next time. Like, I'll have another chance. But there is this 
weird overwhelming sense of like I feel this a lot as an artist of like this is a great time to do that thing this would be a great time to write songs this would be a great time to and it's like anytime I start to feel that like feeling in my head I can get really painted into a corner very quickly because I start to go like this is time you're wasting you could be writing this is time you're wasting you could be doing this thing and uh, it's kind of like this urgency to like really utilize every moment which you would think like with sort of what our music is about and how we kind of typically live like I would be about that but it's also like this idea that like we're here for two and a half months and I think like when I liken it to like that relationship like I think C.S. Lewis mentions this at some point of like like you can't stay in that state of like dating where you're like infatuated with the person forever like right. there's a period when it starts that you're like oh you're just hyper in love and they can't do anything wrong but he says like that can't go on forever like no one could live their whole life that way and i think a place can be a similar thing like the first three days you get here you're just like this is amazing i could not sleep for the next three days and just go and i think you can kind of forget about your life when you're just in that like your go 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 you want to see it all do it all but two and a half months you can't sustain that level of i don't know excitement mm-hmm. or that level of fomo <laughs> so right, it's just right, like, right. i've had days here where it's like i got ang- i got angry at a customer service experience and i was overwhelmed and i like was so frustrated and tired i took a nap for like six hours and i was just like on paper it's just like i wasted half a day just being upset taking a nap in paris but in the context of like, we're here, for, like, of course you're going to have a day like that. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you? It's real life. It's just like anywhere else. All of those things that happen in Nashville yeah. or Baltimore, they're going to happen here. Right. And I've had to really release some of that pressure for it to not be that way. All you wanted was to know that I was on your side. I was thinking about the kind of a parallel between the way Midnight in Paris sort of paints this fictional romanticized version of the salon era, you know, in the 20s in Paris with the the painters and the poets and the authors and yeah. you know all the all the greats hanging out they all came to Paris because that they wanted the the relationships they wanted the community they wanted the iron sharpening iron and all that stuff and the story kind of lets us sort of entertain the idea the mythology of that a little bit lewis and the inklings there's people that come to a certain place in time and there's there's a benefit to to being in 
together in a place and there are cer certain eras, certain times, certain places, creative people come together and something special happens. One of the benefits of the streaming era is that a lot of those walls have come down where the need to market and label music in certain ways has gone away because people oh, yeah. don't have to go to a Christian bookstore to buy this music. They don't have to go to, they can just kind of interact with it, but we're still, there's, there's these almost uh, ingrained teaching because of the, the marketing habits and frankly, because of the culture of evangelicalism in America to say, well, this is who this music is for. But I feel like the more artists like you guys kind of get to travel and experience that stuff and reflect on it and then come back i think the inspiration can be that the sacred music even the sacred music that's about sex and relationships and marriage problems and you know frustration with the economy and whatever else that it's all sacred it's all under the it's all true and good and beautiful that that stuff can totally. can spread like dandelion seeds everywhere it's not there's no fence that's saying this is only for christians so i'm excited right. to okay. hear the uh, your generation kind of take this stuff off the reservation a little bit so five years ago it felt like a really precarious place to be in to even say and this is why i worry about about it a little less like you know I'm, I'm a christian artist or i'm not a christian artist or i write worship or i don't and it's like it's been really great to meet more and more artists who are just like, I want to write a song about my girlfriend, but also have a worship song. And they're like, I don't need these like separations between everything. And it's like, oh, there's like more than two of us. Like, it just feels like so many people are really eager for that. All right. Well, I love the way you paint that. Well, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Truly, thanks for having us on. It's been a pleasure. It has indeed. Thank you. We're taking the hard times and using Thanks again to Jenna and Chris Batiker. If you'd like to follow Wild Harbors more closely, head over to wildharbors.com and check them out, and you'll definitely be hearing them on the True Tunes Spotify Gallery Stage Mixtape. As I pull out my soapbox to wrap this episode up, I'm struck by the lingering adventurousness I heard while talking with Wild Harbors. Marriage is a trip in and of itself, one that not everyone survives. For the Batikers to complicate the already tenuous nature of a young marriage by embracing a life of full-time independent music making might seem downright reckless. And heading to Europe for several months with the family doesn't sound at all like the action plan of a couple committed to playing it safe. Michelle and I just got back from a road trip to the beach, a sort of belated 32nd anniversary trip, and on the way down we listened to the Spotify mix that goes along with this conversation. She kept thinking of more and more names of couples making music together, some close friends, some distant influences, so we added them to the list as we watched the miles go by. Even though Michelle and I never made the music of the wayside our main livelihood, those early years of our marriage, as we nurtured the nascent True Tunes vision, feel very familiar to what I see the Batikers and other young artistic couples doing today. It was definitely not safe, and still isn't. And marriage isn't the only kind of partnership that people enter into in this way, of course. 
As we drove, I thought of dear friends who never managed to find the life partner they dreamed they would create with. I thought of our two sons, Jordan and Wesley, making progressive black metal together in their band, Thrinodian. We thought of the couples that didn't make it for one reason or another. No, the road is not a safe place. But safety is overrated, especially if you're trying to make the world a better place. Safety is also a myth. It might seem that a more financially viable path is the more responsible one, but who says we can trust money? I don't think so. But there are a lot of surer bets than trying to make money by making music. And love? Love is never safe. It's the biggest risk of all, but we have to take it. We can't afford not to. Even when it works, most partnerships will start more problems than they solve. But that's what life's about. We're not here to make ourselves comfortable and to be safe. We're here to love, to make a difference. And as Dawes says, if you can give yourself to someone, then you should. When I hear the earliest examples of rock, folk, even gospel music, I hear no small amount of adventure there in the grooves. It was risky, dangerous, for traveling musicians of color even more so. And when I think about the artists and idea people who changed the world, I don't find myself picturing a group of safe, predictable, secure people. Do you? A change of scenery, like a move to France, for instance, or a new job, can often spark songs, stories, and a renewed vision for creative pursuits. They upset the status quo. They keep us from getting too comfortable. Back on episode one, Charlie Peacock told us about the risk he felt when he uprooted his young family and moved them from California to Nashville. Michael McDermott, Bruce Coburn, Buddy Miller, Natalie Bergman, Michael Rowe, Terry Taylor, risk, risk, risk. When the Lord's ready, you gotta move. So, here's to Chris and Jenna, and here's hoping the new music that is coming soon reaches a wider audience in a deeper way. If you're a young artist looking for a spark, maybe consider thinking about a new place or a new way you can serve. If you're a fan, a consumer of music, a supporter of creativity, check out Wild Harbors and see how you might help them on their next adventure. We all have a role to play here, right? And here's to all the lovers out there trying to tackle this story together. Long may you run. Okay, I'm climbing off my soapbox now. That's going to do it for this episode of the True Tunes Podcast. Thanks to our Patreon backers, especially over these last few months as I've been so busy with my new job and have not had as much time for our online hangs. We've got some really cool things planned for this summer and we could not do this without your help and support. If you would like to join the group, head over to patreon.com slash truetunes or if you'd like to give us a one-time gift, you can find the PayPal link on the show notes page and thank you for doing all the other stuff, leaving us the ratings and reviews at Apple Podcasts, subscribing to the weekly Spotify mixtape and signing up for the email list. This podcast was written and produced by me, JJT, with co-production, editing, and sound design by Bruce A. Brown for Gyroscope Productions. Our theme song is a special instrumental mix of Full Circle by Phil Kagey and Rex Paul. The contents of this program are protected by U.S. copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions, with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten materials. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. 
Thoughts and opinions of our guests do not represent the positions of the producers or our sponsors. Discernment is recommended. This program is intended for the private use of our listening audience. Gyroscope Productions can be reached at JJT at TrueTunes.com or P.O. Box 60401, Nashville, Tennessee, 37206. Until next time, this is JJT reminding you to stay tuned and stay true and go easy on the baguettes. Peace. That wasn't too bad, was it? They act so grown up sometimes. <laughs> They're really such babies. <laughs> No more of a baby than you were when I married you. (laughs) I guess you're right. Thank you, dear. Thank you very much.